The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we are going to focus on that lovely problem, virtual working. So most of the people that I work with end up leading people, believe it or not, who actually work in a different location than they do. And that can be a client, it can be a peer, and frequently it's a direct report. Rarely is there ever the budget or the time or the opportunity to travel to meet face-to-face, even though we might think that might be a good idea. And most managers are then left doing the best they can with the technology that's available from teleconferences to video conferences to other technological media. So on the one hand, it does mean that the conversations become much more tactical because you tend to get focused on covering the issues that are relevant at hand. But on the other hand, you kind of get the sense that something's missing relative to building rapport and the kind of camaraderie you would develop when you're meeting face-to-face. That applies as much to clients as it does to direct reports. So today, we're talking with someone who has really worked out from a very practical point of view how to manage people and clients virtually, and we're going to be talking about his experiences. So with me today is Frederick Helgeson. Frederick is currently CEO of S4K Research, a company that he founded in 2000. Before that, he had 14 years in various management positions in the financial services industry. S4K provides an absolutely fabulous service of um, short, smart, tight reading for 50 of the world's largest companies. They have 140,000 users in more than 100 companies. And more importantly, Frederick's staff is also not all in the same location. And he has a number of experiences working with clients. As he said, he's conducted over 400 in-depth interviews with senior leaders about their biggest challenges. And it's all of that that we're going to bring to bear on this topic of how do you work virtually. So, Frederick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Wanda. It's a pleasure being here. Delighted to have you and really looking forward to hearing your experiences both from the client side and from the management side. Um, So heads up, we're going to start talking about the virtual work, but later on I'm going to tap Frederick's business experience to understand what his clients have been telling them about their hottest topics. Virtual work first, though. So, Frederick, lots of people say that everyone's going to be working virtually in the next few years. There are any number of gurus who believe that we're all going to be located in our ideal location and there will be very few people at a company headquarters. So do you think that the virtual work is going to replace face-to-face meetings? 
But I, I think it's true to the extent that we are moving in that direction, Wanda. And, and I think, you know, we all find ourselves uh, being uh, uh, forced, more or less, I would say, to work virtually. But if you look at it from my own experience, um, I have my COO um, uh, in Denmark, and I'm based in Stockholm, and we speak several times a day. But something happens when you meet the person um, face-to-face. And we know from our experience during the 15 years we've been running this company that when we travel together, that's when we develop the company. That's when we have our ideas together. That's that's when we kind of... um, you know, get into discussions and dialogues that we never do over the phone or, or when we interact virtually. So my take on this is that if you if you need people to be in different locations, then that's fine. But I think, to me at least, I try to think of, do we need to have people in another location or can we actually have them in the same office as a starting point? And if I don't need them to have in, in different locations, then I prefer having people in the same office. You know, we've been saying this about education for a really long time, and we certainly have made enormous strides in the last very few years on doing virtual classrooms. Okay. At the same time, my experience is not unlike yours in that when people come to a, a live face-to-face session, the insights, the perspective, the depth seems to me to be much greater than when they try to do that virtually. I think part of that is that we're a social creature, so the socializing helps and the exchange of ideas with other people helps. But I also think that there's an attention issue, that it's too easy for attention to be distracted, at least in a learning environment. So, um, and I, the other comment I'm going to make is uh, there's a number of CEOs that I work with, particularly ones that I'm especially fond of, say that even if you are in the same office, there is nothing like traveling together to kind of really build that rapport. And I think it's in those informal moments that you really create new ideas, you bounce around things that you haven't done before. I'm not sure we're going to replace that. So, Frederick, um, it's a long, It's not been a long time since we've started this virtual work. It's a fairly short history. No. Sorry, please, Wanda. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to ask you about the history. When, you know. Yeah, you know, when when you asked me to be on this show, I started to think, you know, what can I say about working virtually? And then I started to speak with my colleagues, and I realized that we've been working virtually for thirteen years. Um, and and the fact is that. You know, if you look back on when we got uh, email, I got the email 20 years ago, uh, probably a, a bit late because we were in a, a very traditional bank. But um, and, and then you got, if you look back, you have Skype um, came to launch uh, their services in 2003 by a Swede, by the way. I have to say that. Um, so, so it's not been a long time, and I think. That's something to have respect for as well, and and you know, video is something that is coming stronger. But I still see that it's not as easy technically. Uh, so, uh, having said that, you know, this has been in a quite short while. I think we should have respect for that. It also it's a kind of uh, takes time to to learn the tricks and, and and things. And one of the things I realized the other day um, when speaking to colleagues before this show is that. 
we have almost never talked about how it is to be on the other side when you work remotely. I've never asked my colleagues until now before this show, which, you know, which is a bit embarrassing to, to say the least. But I think we kind of move ahead as we go and try to solve problems that come up. And I think that's the way we at least have learned how to work virtually during these 13 years. Um, so it's, it's very new. I mean, even if we have done that for 13 years, we don't have, a, we don't have the solution. We're still trialing and erroring all the time. Okay. All right. So I want to hear what you're doing, but I'm curious about the comment that you said initially that you're, you ask your colleagues what it was like to re- work remotely. What did they tell you? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was really interesting. Um, I asked one of my colleagues who used to work in our office in Latvia for 10 years, actually, before coming in and working now at our main office in, in Stockholm. And the first thing he said, you know, I said, how was it to work remotely? And he was then in the beginning, uh, the only one in the office in, in Latvia, in Riga. And he said, you know, I, I had I struggled with my motivation sometimes. Um, and I asked, why was that? Um, and he said, you know, I felt, I felt distant. I felt detached uh, when I didn't have, when I wasn't part of the, the things going on. So uh, when I was part of the things going on, when we had our conference calls, when we met and I w- was brought up to speed on everything happening with clients, with the team, then I felt as a part of the team. But as soon as we lost that communication and we didn't have as, as frequent uh, uh, conference calls, for, for instance, then I felt I, I struggled with my motivation. And that was you know, it, it makes sense when I heard him say that, but um, um, and, and it's something that I will, I, I will, you know, take with me and 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 make it a habit of asking people, you know, is it the right frequency? Are we? Uh, do you feel as as, as part of the team, etc.? Because obviously, I mean, and that that has an enormous impact on how they appear. Uh, kind of experience working in the company and, of course, productivity-wise uh, as well. Interesting. I wonder how many people who are managing somebody working virtually actually recognize the lack of motivation and how much it takes for that person to actually feel like they're connected to the team. Um, we do so much work on inclusive cultures. What you're describing, in effect, is a culture in which someone who's not in the same location just doesn't feel included. And that's an important motivation factor. So, Frederick, tell us about what you do now, what you've learned to do, and how you keep people who are working in another location connected into your office. Yeah, so, so there, are, there are three um, three main areas, actually. Um and and I will try to give some examples of it. One is how we organize work, you know, and and this is to ensure to ensure that everyone is on the same page. Um, the second okay. thing is how you build the team feeling. How can you ensure that everyone feels that they belong to the team? Uh, as I mentioned with the example, when you are not in the same office. And the the the, the third piece is more from from my perspective uh, when it comes to leadership. How can I lead people in different locations? What do I need to do differently than okay. when I lead people in the same office? So I, I think those three things are are essentially um, the key components. And if we start with the first one around having everyone on the same page, one of the things that we have 
been working uh, early on with is to find a way since you can't you can't instruct you can't share knowledge as easily when you are not in the in the same office we need to have routines on having workflows for processes so that people can actually work independent without having to ask uh, all the time um, we need to have a task and log management system so we can actually see what's happening. Again, coming back to my colleague who said, I don't know what's happening, then I feel detached and, and less motivated. So now we have a system where you can actually see, we log everything, all interactions with clients. We uh, assign each other tasks so everyone can see what's happening all the time. So those so, kind of things are, are, are kind of hygiene factors, I would say. So on this task and log management, do the people feel who are working in the same office, do they feel like that's an extra burden that isn't worthwhile? I don't think so today, but I think it's a relevant question, Wanda, because I think it has to do, when you start with this kind of system, I think we started from the pure reason that we felt uh, a real strong need to do it because we couldn't keep track of things. Um, but I think there is a piece here around discipline. And, and uh, you need to remember to log things because if you just speak with a colleague, which is easy to do in the office, then you might think that you have actually shared this. But in our case, we need to be really disciplined with actually entering in. I mean, it takes just a couple of minutes or even, even less, but need to make it a habit. And that, that takes a while. Okay. And so now do people feel like it's a worthwhile thing to do, this task log? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we, we all feel that, you know, even for, from your own perspective, if you, we have 50 clients and many interactions every day, it's good to be able to go back and see what did we speak about. So I think you have kind of a strong self-interest to do that today and to help out. If you are traveling, if you are not in the office, um, we are actually summarizing each week. Uh, so we, we print the report, we send it by email to everyone, which is our business report. So that's mandatory reading. So everyone actually reads um, what, what has happened during the week. That's an interesting. I have suggested to any number of leaders that I have been coaching that they use some sort of task reporting system. Um, the, I know it from Fort Hill Software as a Friday Fives, but the notion that you have an update for five minutes on a Friday, here's what I got done this week or didn't get the done, here's where the status is, so that everybody is on the same page and um, aware of the progress. There's often so many interdependencies that it's easy to miss. I think even if you're co-located, that can be an incredibly helpful tool, and it's a far more efficient device use of time than it is to try to do that Monday morning meeting, what happened last week, and everybody is up to speed. But I find it amazing how few leaders use those kind of tools, and I think you're right. We get forced into it when we're all in different locations and then trying to keep on track. All right, so you do a bunch of detailed workflows so everybody knows what decisions they can make. You have a sort of mandatory task and log management so that all interactions are logged. You feel like you're part of it. What else do you do to organize work? We also have uh, something we call uh, the daily big rocks, which we put on a whiteboard. Um, okay. uh, simple analog solution in a digital world. So you, you, before you leave 
for uh, the day, you enter the three big rocks you have uh, next the next day, which means that anyone can see um, what the things that you will be working on the next day. So again, the transparency. And for those not being in the same office, we just take a picture and send it around to, so that everyone have the same information. And this is good for the pure pure reason that you can see if anyone needs your help, you can see that you may need to ask about something that you don't understand you know, the kind of thing that will be done so that you can see if you need support or anything. So it's, it's really good, again, coming back to the transparency and, and making sure everyone have the same information. I love that. So everybody has a whiteboard and they write on it at the end of the day, the three things they've got to do tomorrow, the urgent things. You photograph it and then you send it to everybody. Nothing fancier than that, right? No, it's very simple. It's very simple. And we connect it, uh, which I will come into when it, when it comes to building the team feeling. But we use it also um, to uh, in something we call the morning huddle. But, but it's it's very simple exercise. But it, what has happened as well, Wanda, is that if you write your three big rocks before you leave for, for the day, you are mentally prepared already what to start with in the morning. So I think it has also actually a, a very positive productivity uh, piece here, which we okay. didn't think of from the start. All right, fabulous. All right, we're going to believe it or not, we're going to take a break in just a minute. Um, I'm talking with Frederick Helgeson, who's um, CEO of S4K Research, and we've been talking about his experiences in leading a group of people who are not co-located. Frederick has been saying that there are three big things to do. One is to think very carefully about how you organize work so that people who are not in the same office have the same sense of information and updates on what's happened, where's it going. And this last idea that people just do a simple thing like organizing themselves, what are the three things I have to do tomorrow, on a whiteboard, photograph it, email it around, everybody knows what's happening, and also things like a task and log management system. It helps with virtual work, but I think more importantly, it also helps with people in the office. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about the second and third component of making virtual work work. And the most important one is how do you build that team feeling with people that are not in the same office with you? We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. 
Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Frederick Helgeson. Frederick is CEO um, of S4K Research. It's a company that does uh, uh, short readings to align with companies' goals, criteria, competencies. Fabulous service. And most importantly for today's discussion, Frederick actually operates an office that has remote workers. They deal with 50 of the world's largest companies, 140,000 users across 100 different companies. So he has the virtual experience from a client point of view as well. We've just talking about Frederick's learning experience of getting his team to function effectively when they're not all in the same office. And most importantly, his COO is in Denmark, where he's located in Stockholm. So a bit of a difference there. We've been talking about the three big barriers, and one of them is the way you organize work. And now I want to turn to the really important one. How do you build that team feeling when people are not in the same office so that you feel like you're a part of it, you're connected to it? So, Frederick, what's the secret to building the team feeling? Yeah, I think the first thing is to um, um, perhaps understand that it's needed because I think it's easy for you to be in a head office or a main office like I am and, and, and think that everyone has the same and, you know, you have the same view of the world and, and being part of the team. But I think that, uh, and again, interviewing my colleagues, um, my, my Danish colleague said that when he, he used to work in our office, uh, in Stockholm, and then he moved back because he got homesick. Um, and when he came to to work in in, in uh, from Denmark, and he was alone in the office, he said that he felt uh, an enormous difference in terms of, um, you know, he said like when I went into the office in Stockholm where everyone was located, I could and and someone came in, you could directly see if that person was upbeat or what kind of mood that person was in, or if anything happened, you know, you shared successes, uh, you had a good conversation with a client, etc. When he came to Denmark and, and he was uh, working remotely, he said he couldn't, he didn't feel anything. He couldn't, he couldn't judge if we were upbeat in the office, uh, if people were focused, if it was a tense uh, atmosphere, etc. And I think that's the big challenge here. How can you, how can you, mitigate that? How can you compensate for it? Because you can never replace it, I think, but you can compensate it. Okay. So I agree with you. If I'm working around people who are really excited, it's going to elevate my mood. And if I don't have any of that feedback around me, it's got to hurt motivation because there's just me sitting there doing my job all by myself. 
So you're probably right that there's no way to completely compensate for it, but what have you done to mitigate the downsides? Yeah, so first of all, if you, one, one, the absolutely most important thing we have done is that we, and this is not too long ago actually, we have uh, arranged with a video conference. Uh, so for a long time, we had most of our conversation over Skype uh, phone without video. And um, we realized that we were missing some, something. So when we started to introduce the big rocks on the whiteboard, we also started to have a video conference so that we could discuss the big rocks and see if we could help out each other. So we have a 15-minute uh, video call every morning where everyone has their say and, and see if they need to be any, any interactions. And I think that's kind of compensating because you can get the feeling when you see people, the mood, um, we can share things that have happened during the day before, etc. And And I think that's, you know, when I asked around, everyone in the office said, you know, moving to video is probably the most important thing we have done in terms of trying to compensate this. So you just get all the team that's there in Stockholm into a video room. Is that how you do it? Or do people all sit at their desk and do video, mutual video conferences? No, so we have actually a, a video conference, very simple setup. We, we use, uh, you know, the available resources without any fancy stuff. And then everyone else in the remote locations uh, are on, on, at their desktop with a, a camera. And okay. it, it works perfectly. Okay, fabulous. All right, so you do a daily huddle over video. And again, I have to say, even if you did a daily 15-minute face-to-face, everyone talking about what's going on today, the team would probably feel stronger. What else have you done for people who are remote to help them feel a part of the team? Yeah, so, so I mean, obviously we use uh, uh, instant messaging, email and phone, but that's something that everyone is used to. Um, I, I think there, there are some small small details here that are really important. So one of the things that we have done is that um, whenever you leave the office for, for a longer while, you let everyone know, you know, I'm going to the dentist or whatever fun you are going away for. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, we wish each other uh, a nice evening. See you guys tomorrow over, over Skype um, so that everyone, first of all, knows that that you're leaving the office, but more importantly, I think that's kind of a social interaction, which is really important. Those little things that you uh, keep uh, the team together and, and feel that you're part of a team, especially if you sit alone somewhere. I think that's hugely important. I like that. So, and I often say this to people who are working with colleagues who are halfway around the world that you have to build the social interaction. It can't just be a task. And you do that by taking the natural social tendencies you would do with somebody sitting beside you and translating that to the media that's available. So, I'll be back in an hour, I'm going out, or um, I'm leaving for the day, have a good evening, all the usual social exchange. I think that's a very powerful one. Now, you have one thing that I'm incredibly intrigued by, and you use this robot. Can you explain explain to us what that is and how you use it? Yeah, it's it's sort of an experiment still, but I, I, I agree. It's an interesting thing. When I watched a TED Talk, I saw that someone couldn't be present in the on the stage at, at TED Talks, and they used a, a telepresence robot. So in a sense, it's a, it's a robot where you have a screen on top. Um, 
where someone is sitting in a remote location and you see that person on the screen like a video conference. But the thing here is that you can move around with this robot. Uh, so um, you can actually, from our office in Denmark or in, in Riga, you can, uh, you can drive around in our office. So in, in, in a sense, you can actually drive to the kitchen and have a coffee with one of the colleagues, or you can sneak up on them in <laughs> looking over their shoulder and, and, and this, and you know, talk with them socially. Um, so I think it's it's still an experiment for us. We have started to use it, but I think we will be able to do more stuff like, you know, why don't have a coffee? You can go to your kitchen on one side in the office and, and you can drive around to the kitchen here in, in, in Stockholm and, and you can have a coffee together and discuss things. Uh, perhaps that's a way for, you know, what you're missing are these kind of spontaneous uh, meetings and stuff. And I hope that can be at least it's an interesting experiment to see if we can kind of compensate for that or substitute it. I love that. One of my clients recently described the way you get things done in that company is you, you catch people at the photocopier. That is, they're printing stuff is a great time to go up and have a quick chat with them about whatever's on your mind. And so people describe sort of watching for the person they wanted to speak to appearing at the photocopier. So in effect, if I were remote with a robot, I could kind of scan the photocopier, see who's popping up at the photocopier, and just run over and chat with them in the same way that I'm just going to do it robotically. I love that. Or I'm hanging out in the kitchen. I'm waiting for someone to show up, and we all have a coffee together and a quick chat. Very clever. So, and are people enjoying this? Are they feeling like it's helpful, or is it just still a novelty factor? Yeah, I think they enjoy it. It's it's uh, it's something new, and it's still something we need to get used to. I think, but I, I hear at least a couple of couple of times a week. I hear uh, that it's driving around and, and someone is speaking. So, I, but I think that will be used more and more. Um, I have uh, good hopes for that. It's as, as always, you need to adopt a new behavior, but I think it has uh, a lot of promise. Okay. All right. So we've been talking about how you organize work. So how do you make sure that everybody knows what's going on, what's on their mind, how they help, what the big issues are for the coming day, and a bunch of techniques for doing that. And now you've talked about how do you build that team feeling, which largely is around how do you have that social exchange and a variety of techniques for that one, from um, video conference with everybody in the morning to the using the media to do all the social interchanges that you would naturally do at the end of the day, as well as this robot. Now let me turn to you as a leader, Frederick. So what have you learned about what it means to lead people who are not in the same location? I think to start with, um, uh, and this is something that I've, I've also, when I talked to colleagues um, before this show, got their confirmation on that I, I'm, I'm, I'm right on this point. I think meeting and have team building at least once a year, um, preferably more often if you, if you can, but that's not so easy to draw people away from the offices. But when you meet, I think it's more important, to be honest, to have something, do something fun together. Um, do something that is unexpected, something that creates memories together. I think those memories and those experiences is so important and that will energize the team. One of the things that I do is that I never share what we will do. So I keep the, the, the kind of, 
keep it secret. And everyone knows that this is uh, the way I do it. So you get to Stockholm, you don't know what will happen, which also makes it even more powerful when we, when, when we have the different team building exercises. And it can be simple things. You, know, you can do sports, you can do uh, you know, theater experiences, whatever. It's, it, and, and this can be seen as, you know, why do you need to do that and spend money on it? I think it's the best investment you can do when you work remotely. Um, I, I hear, you know, people sharing the stories. You remember when we did that, and that's keeping together not only the team, but it's also creating kind of um, DNA of the company in the long run. All right. So you have any? So when we all get the sports stuff together, but do you have any favorite team activities that you've done that just kind of inspire us to do new things? I think if you ask. Uh, colleagues, different colleagues, you will, will get different answers. Um, since I'm, since, since I'm uh, uh, Swedish, I think when we went skiing together in, in north of Sweden, I think that's, that's probably the best one we have had so far. But okay. having said that, I think it, it's not only the, the big things, it's also the small stuff um, where you actually get to perhaps do something that none of us have done. Um, uh, which is which is you know uh, creating uh, memories and experiences that are new. Okay, fabulous. I love that. So the time together is not so much about the business agenda as it is about creating shared experiences and shared memories that we reflect on over the coming year, six months, whatever time frame is in between. All right. So what else? What about the co- you know giving people feedback and coaching people? How do you manage that when it's remote? Yeah, so um, that's a good good question because if you are in the same office, you have opportunities to um, or touch points um, where you can see people um, uh, act in different ways. You can have different groups working together, and you can directly um, have coaching sessions, um, you know, spontaneously, which I think is the best way to do it. And and and. When you don't see each other, obviously that's a, that's a challenge. So what we have done is that we have um, made it a habit of having weekly one-on-one coaching sessions uh, over Skype, um, uh, which gives an opportunity to uh, discuss uh, problems, challenges, and also prioritizations, planning for the coming week, um, any potential things we need to discuss with others and, and so that we can see if we need to bring more people into uh, a question, etc. So this is something we have on a weekly weekly basis and um, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's working really well. You can see how, how much it makes it easier to focus on the right things, solve problems, um, um, and, and, and also, I think, facilitate uh, cooperation. So do you think if you had never met your one of your direct reports, uh, that you'd never worked in the same office, that these weekly one-on-one coaching sessions would work as well? Is the FaceTime mandatory for making that effective? Um, hmm. I, I think there is definitely an advantage of, of having met and, and uh, built a relationship and trust but I, I, I think at least it, it's, you know, if you should, if you wouldn't do it, it would be worse. So I think you probably get something positive out of it. And I think over time, especially if you can have and use video, 
um, then I think you can actually improve it along the way, even though it will never replace face-to-face meetings. I I think video and having this on an ongoing basis every week will will improve it uh, over time. All right, so I know a lot of managers who are managing somebody remotely – They rarely are going to see them face-to-face. They will occasionally, but rarely. And they will do the weekly catch-up calls, but they do it as a telephone call rather than as a video. And do you think the video makes a big difference? Um, We seem to have a habit to multitask when when we speak over the phone, even if we are not thinking of doing it. I think there are studies showing that more than 80% of us multitask. I think video is a way to get more presence, uh, also pick up on on the facial expressions, uh, body language, which I think are key, especially in the coach, coaching situation and catch up. So I, I think that you know switch to video as soon as you can. I think it you know it's easy today to use video one on one. I think it's a, it has a tremendous difference. I have a personal story on this one. Coaching, I often end up doing a lot of coaching on the phone. Uh, especially if I've met the person face-to-face already and we've had some time face-to-face. And I was coaching this one particular person and the responses coming back on the phone, I would have interpreted as being um, defensive, argumentative. I thought the individual was resisting the conversation. And suddenly I just said, let's turn this to a video. And, you know, the technology sort of worked quickly that it was back up to speed. And I realized that the other person on the end of the phone was quite upset. But I would not have seen that emotion. It wasn't defensiveness. It was just deeply upset. Not about the conversation, about what was going on at work. Um, so if I hadn't had the video, I would completely missed it. And my advice to that person would have been completely off. So I'm in agreement that there's a lot of information on the video with you. Okay, let me do one last thing before we take a break, which is how do you deal with conflicts? They're inevitable in every office situation. So how do you do that when somebody's in a different location? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the or probably the most important uh, responsibility for me as a leader because it's very easy to uh, create silos, and especially if you are a couple of people in one office and a few in another office, and you start to discuss with each other if there is a conflict. So I try to pick up on issues or friction as soon as I, 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 I get the feeling for it, to get the sense of it, and try to mitigate that by, by bringing people into discussion or listening in with a different people, because usually it's just misunderstandings. And again, working remotely, uh, is actually making it a lot um, more risky in that sense. I think it's easier to have these kind of conflicts pretty much based on what you said, Wanda. If you don't see the person, you can't read them as well as when you see them. So I think um, try to be, um, you know, having the ear to the ground and be quick on picking up on this and, and, and try to mitigate it and, and, and solve it as soon as possible. And I think that's something that you need to do as a leader. You need to step in and help out in that situation. Right. So that means you have to have an awful lot of courage about what you're going to bring up. I have to ask you one last thing, though, which is how do you make sure that people have understood what they need to understand? Um, You know, when I'm sitting face to face, I get a sense from your facial expression that you're following that you get it. But remotely, I may not get that. Yeah, that's that's a very good question. And this is something that is really tricky because, you know, sometimes and this sounds strange, but you don't you don't know. 
in a way, you don't know what you don't need that you should, uh, or, or what you don't understand what you should understand. So how do you ensure as a leader that you actually get the message through? Because you can think in your mind that you have communicated clearly, but usually you have most of it in your head without saying it. So one of the things that we have tried to practice is that you actually ask the person towards the end of the, the conversation, you know, can you please repeat how you interpreted what I just said in your own words? Okay. Because at that point, you, you can hear what comes out and you can, you can directly, uh, uh, you know, change and, 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 and redirect because you will see directly if you have been able to get the message through. Okay. That's fabulous. We're going to take a break here. With me today is Frederick Helgeson, CEO of S4K Research, a company that was founded in 2000. They have worked with 50 of the world's largest companies, 140,000 users in 100 country, countries, and they have offices in multiple locations, including Frederick's COO is in a different country. We've been talking about the secret to making the office function from a virtual point of view, and Frederick has three main points. One is to be much more conscious about how you organize the work from things like a big rock whiteboard to a daily task log that makes sure people are in the loop. The second is how do you create the sense of team feeling and that is partly by um, doing the social interaction, have a good evening kind of things that you would do if you were in the office. You just do them on the technology and making sure you don't lose that social part as well as doing things that build experiences together so that there are stories to tell to each other and to remember. And then the last thing is that it has required Frederick to make some changes, some conscious efforts in what he does as a leader, including stepping in a little more frequently when there's tension in the office. Now, when we come back, I have to turn to Frederick's other part of his main job, which is helping these 140,000 users be more effective in their companies. So I want to hear from Frederick what he finds for the hot topics today for leaders in their in various companies. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Frederick Helgeson, who's the CEO of S4K Research. We've been talking about Frederick's experience in managing virtual work. And in particular, we've been talking about how he organizes the work, how he keeps the team feeling connected, even though people are not in the same location. And the third is what is required of him as a leader to do differently managing people who are not in the same location. Now, part of Frederick's business is helping companies keep their employees on track in terms of leadership companies, competencies, general competencies, as well as the hot issues around the strategy for a company. And in line with doing that, he's done over 400 in-depth interviews with senior leaders in the last couple of years on what's hot for them. So, Frederick, I can't resist asking you, what do you think are the hottest topics today for clients and why? Uh, that's, that's um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question, particularly today, I think, Wanda, because um, what we see when we speak with companies today is that there is, I think there is a kind of um, view emerging that companies and leaders need to be ambidextrous. And what I mean with that is that on one hand, since the crisis, financial crisis in 2007, all companies have been trying to do more with less. Uh, you know, leaders are challenged to drive changes uh, in terms of becoming more efficient, um, while on the same time, adding more value to its customers. So focus on efficiency, um, operational excellence, uh, as well as increasing customer focus and understanding, service excellence, uh, etc. That's one part. This, the other part is that we are at, at, at a point in time which I think is really, really uh, interesting. You know, if you look at over the next 10 years, we already have things like artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, cheap and smarter robots, uh, not to say big data. And all of this would transform how we uh, staff our companies, how we operate and manage them. And for companies today, what we hear is that uh, digital, digitalization is something that they struggle with because they have built companies based on, on, on a business which is not digital uh, in most cases. So how can we take us to a step, to a point in time where we succeed with that? How can we reap the benefits of all this new technology? Um, you know, we, our, our, our people are not equipped for that. Uh, we are not built for that, you know. How can you can create an agile organization, etc.? So I think there is a ambidextrous situation is really challenging because you need to actually be able to do both to succeed. 
That's interesting. One of my um, favorite 360 assessments that I use is called the Leadership Versatility Index. Rob Kaiser with Kaiser Learning Solutions owns this one. And the fundamental principle in that one is that we want versatility or ambidextrousness in your sense. Versatile in that I want you to be strategic, innovation, orientation, and change. And equally, I want you to be operational efficient, cost effective. Those two don't sit hand in hand. They're like polar opposites. And the other big dimension is that I want you to be both forceful, um, push people hard, don't take no for an answer, and I want you to be enabling, open to influence, supportive, listening, a great coach. So it's another two ways in which we're asking people to be ambidextrous, if you will. And that makes for an interesting world as a leader. All right. Any other hot topics that you hear? I think one one piece is that... um you know, if you look on a leader level, I think there is a challenge generational-wise. Uh, we hear often that if you are a leader um, uh, with, and you're not so, uh, you know, you're not picked up on the, on the new tech stuff at all, um, and then you get in millennials who are supposed to lead, and it's quite a challenge if you want their, their respect and and and. and, and try to work together with them. So I think it put us, puts a lot of pressure on, on leaders, um, uh, probably in my generation and older, uh, to start becoming interesting, um, interested and learn about this. And, and one of the things we hear a lot about is reverse mentoring. So if you want leaders to lead the digitization, but they don't know about the new technology, how can you uh, make them more prepared for it? So why don't you let millennials uh, mentor the, their leaders instead. So, in a, in a way, a reversed mentoring, uh, okay. which I think will become more and more important, because otherwise, you know, you don't have the leaders, uh, the capabilities of leaders for the future. Okay. All right. There's a lot of discussion going on about millennials at the moment, and I happen to agree with you that there's, and I think there's an awful lot of mythology that's being told. Um, often I think the millennials are just young and that a lot of what we see in the millennials is really just young people entering the organization. At the same time, they have a very different pattern of working and a very different um, thing that they're accustomed to working with. So there's a lot to be learned from that one. Any other hot topics? I mean, you always have, uh, um, I mean, at the core of this, I, I mentioned it, but it, it's actually the top ranked at the moment, which is leading change. And uh-huh. leading change is taking on a slightly new um, kind of, of perspective for companies because I think it comes into um, changing. I mean, con- change has been constant for many years now. That, that's, you know, yeah. that's everyone, everyone is saying that. But how can you create a, a more agile organization where you, when the future is so difficult to predict, how can you create an organization which is adapting itself ongoing? So I think we'll move away from talking about change to move into how we can be more adaptable and, and agile as an organization to meet the more, more unpredictable world, uh, world, uh, world we are meeting. And do you have any perspective or any experience in what people think makes for an agile organization? But I think that's that's kind of uncharted territory in a sense. I think many of the companies talk about it, but I, I think very few know what to do to get there, uh, which is part which is the challenge. I think there is a, 
uh, it's a cultural piece, of course. Um, and, and, you know, if you think back, I think there is a history here, which is interesting. Um, and, and which you need to kind of uh, understand in the companies to be able to, to make a change. Um, Deloitte uh, made a, an interesting analogy uh, recently. They said, in the past, companies have thrived and survived by building mighty castles to protect their positions. To prosper in tomorrow's world, they need to build ships that are able to nimbly maneuver through ever-changing business environment. And I think that's you know, exactly where we are. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, there's a lot being said about agile workers and agile organization and that need to be adaptable. But, you know, you're leading a large group. That's an awfully difficult thing to accomplish, um, especially when we have such an expertise-driven world. So my credibility, my value, my contribution to the organization is about being the expert in an area a particular topic, and now you're asking me to be agile, which is to blow my expertise out the door. That's a; Those are uncomfortable positions to be in, and I can see why organizations are struggling with it. Okay, let me ask you a specific one. Are you hearing much about stress and ways of managing stress? Is that a hot topic or not? Yeah, I think connected to what I said initially about the pressure of doing things, you know, doing more with less all the time, and especially that this has been going on for, for some years now. We hear uh, uh, a number of companies talking about um, delivering stress management programs and stuff for for uh, for their colleagues um, to because they have seen that it's part when they make their engagement surveys that the stress levels are are really high and have increased. Okay, fabulous, Frederick. Thank you for being here today. I think this is incredibly insightful. I love hearing what are the hot topics among companies. But even more importantly, I've really enjoyed your experiences in leading a virtual organization. And I think the thing that strikes me the most from all of the conversation is the need to keep the social exchange going virtually, whether that's the nice courtesy things that you would say to people who are sitting next to you and that you do via Skype or via text or via some format just to say, have a good evening, how are you doing this morning, um, the robot as a way of having a coffee and a simple chat or playing a game with each other and the occasional experiences where you build memories together. I think those are the pieces that we don't think enough about. So, Frederick, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Wanda. It was a pleasure. Okay. Likewise, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. With me next week is Susan Steinbrecher, and we're going to be talking about how do you work with less stress and less frustration. And join us then. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.